welcome back to the seventh edition of Carpool Q&A. Here I am with Pastor Tom. How are you, Tom? Mate, I'm good. How are you? Good. Yeah, great. So good. Coming back from the Gold Coast church plant, driving up the highway as usual. There's traffic coming as usual. Uh, yeah, we'll be good. This is our Q&A time. We're asking all questions related to church planting, ecclesiology, what is the church. Uh, on our second week, yeah. We talked about the regulative principle, which yes. is basically saying uh, that we generally hold to. It's basically saying our church services need to be run the way the Bible tells us it should be run. Yeah, without much creativity. Yeah. yeah. And one of the things we discussed in that episode in the second week, if you missed it, on the question of what's needed for a biblical church, yeah. right down to the basics. And you said, really, the two things you need is singing and preaching. Yeah. Yeah, we were talking about, about uh, the fact that there has yes. to be preaching of the word for it to be a, a church gathering, a genuine church service. Yep. I want to ask a whole bunch of questions about preaching. Love it. Which is the topic of homiletics, the theology of preaching. To kick us off, Tom, what is the purpose of preaching? Uh, do it well. Such big answers. I can give big overarching answer. I can give really specific practical answer. The purpose of preaching is to accomplish the purposes of God. The purpose of preaching is to accomplish the purposes of God. We could say more specifically to speak the word of God to accomplish the purpose of God or whatever. But ultimately, God achieves all things for his glory through his word. That's it. From the very first act let there be light or creating the heavens and the earth. He's using his word to accomplish his purposes. At every point that God is doing something significant, he uses his word to accomplish his purposes. I believe it's Psalm 89 that says, for you, God, have a, um, exalted above all things your name and your word. Um, and then we can even just start thinking theologically as the Logos of God, who is God, the Son himself, the Logos of God, the Word of God, all things are accomplished through him. Through him, in the fullness of time, God brought all things together and brought out our redemption and our salvation. He is the purpose and the message um, and the great messenger of all things. So speaking even more practically, at every significant point in, in redemptive history, God used preachers. Noah, a preacher. Adam, a preacher who failed and therefore didn't speak against the false teaching of Satan and his, his wife who was being deceived. He didn't preach. The world fell into sin. Noah, the preacher of righteousness, we're told. Nobody got saved except for him and his household. The prophets, the judges, Moses, the prophet, right? All, all the, the, the people, that the things that God uses, the instrument that God uses to accomplish his purposes throughout redemptive history is his word being manifested or spoken through a person. An extremely high calling to be a preacher. An extremely high calling that every single Christian is called a prophet, a, a, a nation of prophets. We are. Uh, we, we witness for God. Steve Lawson always says God had one son and he made him a preacher. He was both the message, the word, and the, 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 the preacher. Yeah, all of that to say, you draw back a few, a few, a few places. How does God accomplish his purposes in the world? Well, he doesn't because he's God. Okay, let's get more specific. Who does God use to accomplish his purposes on earth? The church. Right? The church are his 
people, his army, his prophet and priests, the people building the temple, the people with the keys of the temple, the keys of the kingdom, all that stuff. Okay, what is a church? Which is where this question came up originally. Well, a church is the people who believe and proclaim the word of God. How is somebody a Christian? Well, they were born again by the living, by the active and powerful living word, right? What defines a Christian? The word of God. What defines a Christian from the outside? So definitionally, you know what a Christian is because of the word of God. But what is a what is a Christian? Somebody who loves and believes and obeys the word of God. What has God given to the church? Ephesians chapter 4. What has God given to the church so that he, uh, she might manifest the truth, obey his commands, and know the truth? He gave them pastoring, pastors and teachers. Um, first he gave apostles and prophets who revealed the word. And now in every generation he gives the office of pastor teacher who extol the word, who explain the word, who exegete the word. So the people can only live out their purposes and the world can only receive its purposes for its purpose in the mission of God when the word is rightly exegeted. The history of the church is a history of the word of God. So preaching is how God accomplishes his purposes. Now, maybe more specifically, I know I'm taking a while on this one. Okay. More specifically. The purpose of the preacher, like what am I thinking each Sunday? Well, I always have that cosmic idea in mind. God does everything by his word, and I am now humbled and called to this position of being a preacher. But specifically, what am I trying to do through preaching? Well, not zip people up into emotionalism. But what is the role of the preacher? What is the point of preaching? What is the purpose of preaching? It is to rightly explain, interpret, and apply the meaning of a biblical text to the people of God so that they can glorify God through their obedience even more. So I'm always just, basically it's word, it's the Bible. I'm trying to open up, explain, and apply the Bible to people so that they understand it and can obey it. You thought, we thought that guy was speeding, he was actually a copper. Under, undercover, he just yeah. he just zipped up behind a dude who was Some driving recklessly. Cops. Not us. Yeah. All those people who think you drive so recklessly, we got we got bypass. Yeah, they did flashes before, which is why yeah. I got in this lane. All right. Yeah, so so that, that's yep. the purpose of preaching. Cool. And that's yeah, both cosmically and, and more specifically. Hmm. In terms of preaching. What's the difference between expository preaching and topical preaching? And why do we tend to lean more on expository preaching? Um, well, I would actually sort of push back on the question just a little bit. Um, you can do topical, expositional, or expository preaching. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, it's, it's fairly modern kind of idea that, um, you know, last hundred maybe 50 years or so, that people think, if you're not preaching line by line through a book, you're not expositionally preaching. I say that because Jesus, we have examples of Jesus seemingly going through, uh, you know, reading a line, reading a a scroll, reading some scripture, and then expositing and applying. We have examples of Paul doing that. We see all of that. We also have examples of Paul not doing that. To exposit means, if we break the word down, is ex and posit. That is to, ex means out of, and posit is a position. So in other words, you're taking the meaning of the text and you're picking it up and you're putting it out of the Bible and putting it in front of people. 
right? You're expositing. Your your meaning is coming up out of the text. Yeah. I like to sort of use a play on words and say to exposit the text is to expose it. Expose the text. Show what it means, what it truly means. So you can do expositional preaching, that is to bring the truth out of Scripture through a little bit of text, you know, just a paragraph in Romans, or a lot of text. It just depends how much text you have. So if I'm doing a topical sermon on sin, I'm not dealing with no text of Scripture. I'm dealing with all of the text of Scripture. I'm yeah. giving us what every all of the Bible says about it. So that's expositional preaching. It's just preaching the truth of Scripture as opposed to a man developing through the week saying, Lord, what topic do you want me to speak on? Uh, what examples will I use? How do I need to uh, encourage and excite my people? And now that I've got 70% of my talk made up, I'm going to go to the scripture and find verses to really slot in in these little sections. Yeah. That's not expositional preaching. That's not biblical preaching. Mm. A good book that I know, um, so you read, the, the expository preaching by, expositional preaching by David Helm. He uses the example of uh, drunk preaching or inebriated preaching which is he uses the Bible. So people use the Bible the way a drunk man uses the lampstand or the, the, the light post, not for its light, but just because he needs something to lean on. Huh? The drunk guy just leans on the, la- the light because otherwise it'd fall over. That's how a lot of guys preach. They don't really need the light coming from the word. They're not really using it for its intended purposes. They just needed something to stick in there to prop them up so that they don't have a Bible-less sermon. Expositional is taking the truth, putting it out. Of course, you could say one of the dangers is it's sort of a spectrum. And again, a swinging pendulum. Spurgeon really never preached expositionally. If what we mean by expositionally, we mean book by book. He he, he decried that. He said that's a terrible. Word. Where's the you know, where's the reliance on the on the spirit? He just left room for each week. The spirit would uh, lead him to a verse and. He would exposit and truly ex- expositionally preach that text, but it wasn't line by line through a massive, so through a whole book. Yeah. That's fine. That's cool. That's that's preaching. Yeah. No one can say Spurgeon was not a preacher, uh, not an expositional preacher. Yeah. No one has the guts to say that. So now, one of the things we could say is, um, does one style of that lend itself more to error and eisegesis? Eisegesis is opposite to exegesis. Exegesis is again exe to pull out of the Jesus, so out of the out of the text, out of the the word. Are we pulling out the meaning, seeing what Paul meant, or are we bringing into the text our own meaning? Everybody needs to avoid the eisegesis, which means to put in in the meaning. And so uh, we could say, preaching line by line through books of the Bible, does that lend itself more to the error of eisegesis, or does topical preaching? Reformed people would probably want to jump at the fact that they want to say, now line-by-line preaching is how you avoid any eisegesis. But it's not true. There's no system out there that stops people being undeveloped, untrained, or underprepared, and twisting the Word of God. You can't make a system of preaching that will avoid that. You just need the truth. Um, So... uh, but again, I still lean toward, and this is why at church, at Hope Church, we do books of the Bible or sections of books of the Bible because there is largely in our day biblical illiteracy. If I just picked up a verse out of nowhere, it's not like other days when we have a highly uh, saturated Christian population and, and uh, uh, people who are all doing family worship for generations in their home and everybody knows the Bible pretty well. And so I'm just expounding on a verse. 
I might say open up to the book of Luke and 70% of the congregation haven't read Luke in a year because they read it once a year in their Bible reading plan. Well, that's not great. I, I rather do that to give us context and to give us bulky truth over time. But I'm okay with doing topical, right? I'm, I'm, at the moment, I'm about to do my second and third sermons in the morning on the Holy Spirit, yeah. topical. Yep. Uh, but even I would even say, yeah, exposition, or sorry, line-by-line book preaching in the Bible is not actually all that safe. There are some guys, I won't name names, but there are some guys who will say, please open up to Romans chapter 6, verse 32, and they'll do a sermon on one verse, or one phrase, or one word. And really, all it was, was a topical sermon on sin, right? Or, or on the dominion of sin in the life of the believer, the, the, or holiness, or the Holy Spirit, right? Um, I know there's no Romans 6, verse 32. I hope I get no, 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 uh, no messages. Um, you know, so there's actually a way to say, well, we're going through Romans or we're going through Galatians and we've been doing this for 15 years and now we're at the next verse. And, and this verse says, for freedom, Christ has set us free. And they do a whole topical sermon on what the Bible, all the background, what the Bible means and where the New Testament, and what the gospel shows us as liberty and freedom. Go, okay. But that wasn't really in vital connection with the rest of the verses. Right. You, didn't re- you know, so really, you do 120 sermons on Galatians sometimes and often. It's actually just 120 topical sermons. And the base text of every topical sermon was a text of Galatians. You know what I mean? So I think um, the whole, the longer you go through a book, you know, like they idealize the 10 years through Romans or the five years through, through something. You go, there's nothing wrong with that necessarily. But it's actually probably less expositional because your people have to remember five years ago when we did the context. But for Paul, Romans 3 is the immediate context for Romans 4. <laughs> you know, there shouldn't be a year and a half in between them. So I'm just saying it, it's it's uh, it's not as black and white as do you go through book, you know, do you, do you topical preach because you don't like the Bible or do you preach expositionally? It's actually a little bit of both. I think there is a wide range of expositional sermons, yep. styles. As long as you're getting what the Bible's saying out of the text. That's right. Yeah, that's right. Sweet. Yeah. What would be the difference between preaching a sermon and maybe a lecture? Like, what makes preaching preaching and not just teaching? Teaching, yeah. Yeah. Lloyd Jones got asked that question one time. Well, he was asked more specifically. Somebody said, Pastor, how do I know? whether I'm hearing preaching or teaching. What's the difference between teaching and preaching? And Mark Lloyd Jones said, son, if, if you have to ask, you've never heard preaching. You know, if you've heard it, if you've sat under preaching that extols Christ the way it's supposed to, you don't think, well, did I hear a lecture or did I hear a sermon? Should I, I should go and clarify with my pastor. And his point, you know, is, is very true that preaching and teaching are not divorced. Preaching is teaching plus something. Without teaching, you have no preaching. A lot of people think, well, he's not very doctrinal. He'd make a good evangelist. Or he made a great preacher, just not a great teacher. Make him an associate pastor. Put him over the young adults. Generations pastor, something like that. No. No, without teaching, without good content, without matter. You know, Spurgeon says this in his lectures to my students, that sermons need to have real meat on the bones. Teaching. Doctrinal matter, because the word is so full of it. How can you say you've you've scooped through the word of God and given it to people, and there was no meat in that broth? You know that's that's not true. So that's impossible. Yeah, there's teaching, and then preaching is taking what you've taught 
and applying it to the people in such a way, in the tone of the text, that's something I'm big on, is in the tone of the original text. So if Peter is gentle and loving and kind in a verse, you don't want to make it into a head-whacking sermon. But if Paul or Jesus is just on fire in the text, don't stand there like a respectable, you know, Sunday school lesson. Yelling, you know? He's got fire in his eyes. Feel a little bit of that. Yeah, throw a chair at a widow. That's a horrible <laughs> thing to say, Sam. Uh, you know, yeah, like like uh, it should it should carry the tone. Sometimes we can be faithless to the meaning. And his again, maybe maybe it's the reform side of guys. They go, what is important is the truth of the text, the content, the data, the logos. Well, I think that the logos is clouded or shrouded or covered or hidden when the tone, the pathos, is lacking. And we know this in evangelism, or when you talk to your kids, or when there's somebody running towards a cliff, and you said, you'll die if you keep on walking, did you know? There's nothing wrong about what I just said. The person will die if they keep on walking to a cliff. But the person walking to a cliff doesn't really believe what I just said, because I just muttered it. I'm sure that if I was actually walking to a cliff, he would have yelled. I'm sure I'm not walking to a cliff. So we actually are faithless and undercut and undermine our own logos and data, the truth of the passage, when we don't deliver it in the right tone and pathos. If it's if it's a warm, encouraging text, give it that warmth of Christ's uh, promises. If it is a an, a rebuking, exhortating, brutal text, then give it that. So, anyway, so what preaching should be is is the teaching applied in the tone of the text with expectation that the Spirit of God will bring about obedience. So preaching should always have an expect, like something to do from here. I just heard that. That was interesting. That's teaching. I just got blasted with that. My soul is on fire and there's something to obey or disobey. Like there was a command there. There was an exhortation on the basis of the gospel promises. That's preaching. And, um, And if anybody listened, I wonder if my pastor preaches or teaches. Well, he's probably not preaching. You know the difference. He may not even be teaching. You know the guys out there who are doing neither. In terms of preaching the word and exegeting the text, um, we've got preaching the word and preaching the gospel. How should a preacher preach the gospel in their text? Yeah, that's good. That's really good. So we've said prior, so I won't labor it, but every sermon needs the gospel call, an explicit gospel call. Faith alone will redeem you from your sin because of Christ's finished work. Believe it or perish. That that content needs to be in there so that the sinner has a command to obey has, and, and that, that is uh, yeah. used by the Spirit to, to press them into Christ. Amen. What is the difference between preaching the word and preaching the gospel? Spurgeon would say, and I would agree, in every sermon, find the, the, the beeline to Christ. Just like every little village in England, he would say, has a road that will lead you eventually to London. So also, every text, no matter where you are in the Bible, will lead you eventually to Christ if you follow it rightly. Now, that's true. That's true objectively. There's no revelation of God that does not somehow relate to, either by prophecy, foreshadowing, or explicitly say, somehow it will point us to God the Son, Jesus Christ. The, the, the Savior and his gospel. 
if you're in a text and you go, no, I don't think that's true. I, I don't see how this points to Jesus at all. Then the answer is you don't know the text well enough. It doesn't mean that in every text there's a code that has the letters J-E-S-U-S. Right? It doesn't mean, mean that. It just means if you understand any verse well enough, you will be able to find a way overarchingly how this ultimately points to Jesus, right? So yes, every sermon should be able to, every preacher should be able to be in whatever text they're in, they should be able to go, and here's how this points to Jesus Christ. Now, sometimes it's so difficult, you might have to make three or four explanatory steps before you get there. Mm. In which case, sometimes, and I've done this, Spurgeon will do this, some of my favorite preachers will do this, they sort of just get to the end of the text and go, and you know what? Jesus died for sinners, and there's some sinners in the room who have not yet believed. It's not really an organic uh, segue. It's just an add-on. Yeah. And now they're not being faithless to the text, because that text is sitting there begging the preacher to exalt Christ. Mm. So they obeyed the text, and they exalted Christ. But is everybody, now maybe you've got some theological heads in the room, and they're going, oh, how did... How did the exhortation to believe in the Lord Jesus come out of this verse in Job? Yeah, maybe maybe he didn't show that working. Maybe he didn't make an exhortation on the basis of that. Mm. But that's fine. Like, get over it. <laughs> don't don't get upset that he preached the gospel and you know he didn't give you a quote from Job. But at the same time, it can be overdone. People can go to a text and say, you know, Job's three friends, right? They're preaching out of Job. I'm just saying that because I've opened my Bible up at random to Job. The best way to read the Bible. And they preach a text, you know, they read verse, chapter 2, verse 11. Now, when Job's three friends heard of all this evil they, that had come upon him, they came each from his own place. Friends, when Jesus was in the grave, he had three friends come to see him each from their own place. And they found the grave empty. And... And you start talking about the empty grave and the gospel, right? Now, it's fair at that point to say, you just butchered that text. I don't ultimately care because you preached the gospel, but don't pretend that you just preached the gospel out of Job, right? Mm. It has to be true to the text. Yeah. Um, uh, other times it can be overly done. Here we might even talk about the first, second, and third use of the law. They confuse the uses of the law. The law is supposed to drive us to Christ and then is supposed to be a guide for the Christian life. Well... Sometimes guys can confuse those and goes, the command here is do not let a root of bitterness come up in you or you'll you know, be found to drift away, Hebrews says. And they say, now the good news is that the root of bitterness was transferred to Christ and our guilt went with him into the grave and we are now, and you just preach that. Well, true. And whether we realize it or not, I'm now more empowered to live a bitterless life because I just heard the gospel. Cool. But don't say that you preached he, that passage of Hebrews correctly if you didn't give its exhortations correctly as well. You know what I mean? So I would even push back on Piper here. Piper says, if the gospel clues and the gospel message is not in the text you read, you can preach the gospel after you've sermoned, but don't pretend you're preaching the text. Right? So don't say, in other words, you know, like if I'm preaching uh, on hospitality, is the example he gives, be hospitable, be, be hospitable. You can't end the, the sermon by saying, and for your guilt of inhospitality, Jesus went to the cross and he carried your inhospitableness up the cross and he died. And you know, that's not really preaching that verse. And I would say, nah, it is. 
it is because all of text is all of the scripture is organically linked in that way. And since uh, Jesus is the word, it's not been preached until it's not been run dry until it's pointed us to the gospel. Now, can that be overly done, poorly done, wrongly done? Yeah, but just hold those two things in mind. Every sermon should mention the gospel, and every text in some way can lead me to the gospel. So marry those two together, if possible, and do it each sermon. But I even think, yeah, on the whole, so we again, we touched on this earlier weeks. If you've got 10 sermons and you say, I'll preach the gospel when I get to the gospel at the moment I'm preaching the Bible. And in the whole, in 10 sermons, there's not been an explicit command to trust in Jesus Christ. Mm. I would say you're not preaching the Bible. Absolutely. And the link there is, I was just thinking of getting it up. In, in 1 Peter, Peter just, he kind of blurs the lines between the word and the message of the gospel. Right? Um, he says in 1 Peter, end of chapter 1, he says, verse 23, since you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of the imperishable seed. That seed is what he's talking about. The seed, imperishable seed through the living and abiding word of God. So the logos of God, the word of God is what brings people to life. Mm. Then in verse 25, he's quoting um, Isaiah and he says, but the word of the Lord remains forever, right? That's his backup verse. And then he says, and this word is the good news that was preached to you. So he says, the word of God, the hearing, understanding, and it being implanted into your heart is, is by the word of God. That's how you came forth to new life. You understood God's full revelation. And yet, then he says, and this word is the gospel, is the good news. If by preaching the gospel, people mean uh, four points, there's four spiritual laws. You're a sinner. God is creator. Jesus died, trusted him. If you have this very minimalistic gospel, then yeah, you can't preach the word without pre- if you're just preaching the gospel like that. Mm. However, if you mean the gospel, Christ and him crucified as the full counsel of God, as Paul says, the kingdom, the, the, the gospel of grace, as he says, if you're preaching the gospel that way, preaching Jesus that way, then it will always be centered on and shining through Jesus, but it will also be from all, all the whole text. It will touch on all the major doctrine. We should not draw too hard a distinction between the word of God or should I preach the gospel? Mm. Yes, because one brings forth the other. All right, very good. So far, we've kind of been talking about preaching within the context of a local church. Yeah. How might we apply all of this to, say, street preaching? Preaching... In yep. Brisbane City or wherever yep. you may find yourself. <laughs> yeah, then there I would pick up Paul again, his example in Ephesus from Acts 19, his example in Corinth when he says, I desire to know nothing among you but Christ and crucified. And he was proclaiming, you know, what he does in Athens in Acts 17. I would definitely say um, that street preaching should be gospel heavy. Because you're not getting up on a sermon expecting 20 Christians to stop and hear an exposition about the Christian marriage, you know. Yeah. How to be good husbands. The point of going out and doing evangelism is not outside church, but fishing for men, mm. fishing for souls, putting out the gospel in the most clear, simplified, illustrated, helpful language so that randoms, as they're passing by, stepping out of the toilet, stepping onto the bus, meeting a friend, walking out of the bar, whatever they're doing, they can hear some phrases. The spirit can catch their ear. 
catch their heart and they can be saved. So gospel heavy should be street preaching. And one of my tips for guys doing guys and gals doing street preaching is find um, uh, a verse, still do it out of a verse, but find a verse that is very clear gospel and a very easy to, you don't want to have to explain the 10 steps you get to Christ and crucified. You can just preach <clears throat> um, that text, you know, John three sixteen, mm. Mark ten eighteen, whatever it is about, mm. uh, Mark eight twelve, losing your soul, finding finding life, all that stuff. Gospel heavy, yeah, love it. Cool. Well, that'll conclude our yes, it will. week on Q and A this week. Tune in next week for some more questions on preaching and sermons. Yeah, Catch and they can later. they can put in questions somewhere. Yeah, we'll try and answer. Yep, down comments. below. Okay, cool. comments. Awesome. Bless you guys. Catch you later.